We're going to be learning in Chidushe Maron Riz HaLevi, the only piece in Hilchos Shvisas Asur, which deals with the laws of Yom Kippur. This is Perak Bey's Halacha Ches. And in this piece, Rab Velvel is going to explore what is the authority that a sick person has to say that they need to eat on Yom Kippur. So as usual, he's going to articulate two different perspectives in what authority the sick person has. And then at the end, he's going to quote a very famous psaq of his father, Rab Chaim, regarding a sick person eating on Yom Kippur. So this is a very unusual ruling because generally Rab Chaim was not involved in practical halacha. He was more on the theoretical side, but here he has a very practical and very lenient ruling regarding eating on Yom Kippur. So we'll discuss at the end of the piece whether halachic authorities follow Rab Chaim's ruling or not. The Rambam writes, someone with a life-threatening illness. So such a person is allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. If they ask for food on Yom Kippur, we give him food based on his own request. So we don't need a doctor to verify that he needs the food. Based on his own request for food, we give him food until he says it's enough. So the Rambam rules that a sick person can get food on Yom Kippur through their own request. Now, there are two types of people with life-threatening illness. One is someone who already has a life-threatening illness and they're asking for food so they don't die. The second is someone who's saying, if I don't eat, I'm going to get a life-threatening illness. So such a person can also eat on Yom Kippur, obviously, but they're eating in order to prevent a life-threatening illness from developing. So the Rambam limits this halacha to someone who already has a life-threatening illness, whereas it sounds like someone who says, I'm going to develop a life-threatening illness if I don't eat, that person cannot eat based on their own request. It would need to be verified that what they're saying is true through a doctor. So Reb Velvel asks, why does the Rambam limit this halacha, that we trust the ill person to ask for food only to someone who's known? to already have a life-threatening illness, it's already been verified that they are ill as opposed to someone who's saying that eating will prevent them from becoming ill. Why don't we believe that person on their own? And Rab Velvel strengthens the question because the source for this halacha is the Mishnah in Yuma Pebez, someone who's sick can eat on Yom Kippur if the experts agree that he needs to eat. If there's no experts, then we believe him to allow him to eat on Yom Kippur until he says it's enough. So the Mishnah rules that we believe the sick person that he needs to eat on Yom Kippur. And the Gemara explains it's based on Lev Yodea Maras Nafsho that a person knows their own illness and what they need so they're believed even against the doctors. So according to this approach there seems no reason to limit this only to someone that's known already to be ill with a life-threatening illness any person who says they're going to become ill and their life is going to be threatened if they don't eat should be believed to know what they need and whether or not they need to eat. So why does the Rambam limit this only to someone who we already know is ill independently, not through their own saying so, but the doctors have already agreed that they're ill? And furthermore, the Mishnah includes this halacha that we believe the sick person themselves together with the halacha that if the doctors say he needs to eat, then he's allowed to eat. 
So that halacha includes both cases, whether he's already known to have a life-threatening illness or whether the doctors say that not eating is going to cause a life-threatening illness. So in both those cases, if the doctors say he needs to eat, he's allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. So why should the second halacha, that if the person themselves says I need to eat, be limited only to where we already know that they have a life-threatening illness and not where they're saying not eating is going to cause a life-threatening illness. So we have to understand why the Rambam limits this halacha. So Rav Velvel explains that this is based on a debate the Hagos Maimani quotes between Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam. There seems to be some sort of misprint because our Hagos Maimani has a different name instead of Rashi. But either way, Rav Velvel calls it a debate between Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam. What is the sick person saying here? According to Rashi, the sick person is saying, if I don't eat, I'm going to become life-threateningly ill and I potentially am going to die. So I need to eat in order to prevent such illness. Rabbeinu Tam argued against that. He said, which is a cute line. It means, are the sick people prophets or are they experts? In other words, how does the sick person know how fasting is going to affect them? So according to Rabbeinu Tam, the sick person is saying, I am ill, and if I don't eat, it's going to overall affect me. He's not sure how it's going to affect him, but not eating is going to be harmful, so therefore I need to eat. So that's the debate between Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam. What is the ill person saying? According to Rashi, they're saying that fasting is going to potentially threaten my life, whereas according to Rabbeinu Tam, they're saying that fasting is going to affect me, it's going to exacerbate the illness, but they don't know exactly how. That's the debate the Hagos Maimani quotes. Now, the Rambam in Hilchus Shabbos Beis Aleph writes, If someone is ill on Shabbos, so that's a parallel case to eating on Yom Kippur, we violate Shabbos if they need it. So someone who's ill on Shabbos, we do whatever they need. The principle is, says the Rambam, that someone who has a life-threatening illness on Shabbos, we do whatever they need. Shabbos is like a weekday for that person. Whatever they need, we do for them as if it wasn't Shabbos at all. Now, the Magid Mishnah in Halach Yudalat explains that what the Rambam is trying to tell us is that Shabbos is Hutra, it's totally suspended when it comes to a life-threatening illness. So it's not that we only do things which will help the illness and help them recover or live longer, but anything that someone who's ill needs on Shabbos, they get. So if someone has a life-threatening illness and they ask to turn on the lights, we don't say, are the lights going to help them live longer or is it going to directly benefit their illness in some way? Whatever they need, even if it's totally irrelevant and won't affect their illness at all, we do for them. So we would just turn on the lights even though it won't affect or heal them in any way. So the Rambam holds that Shabbos is totally suspended when it comes to a life-threatening illness. Says Rav Velvel, the same should be true when it comes to eating on Yom Kippur. That if someone has a life-threatening illness on Yom Kippur, the whole day, all the prohibitions are totally suspended. So if they want to eat, we don't say, is the food going to help 
help them live longer or heal them in some way, even if the food won't affect their status as an ill person at all, it's not going to help the illness in any way. They're still allowed to eat because they're allowed to do whatever they want. Just like Shabbos is totally suspended, it's like a weekday, so too Yom Kippur is totally suspended and it's like a regular day and they can eat and drink whatever they want, not only food which is going to help them heal and help them live longer. So the Rambam's view is like Rabbeinu Tam, that the sick person can ask for food even if it's not going to directly heal them, but it's something they need, as opposed to Rashi that the sick person needs to be able to say, fasting is going to direct directly threaten my life. Now, according to the Rambam, the Mishnah that said that a person is believed to say they need to eat on Yom Kippur, and their opinion is the equivalent of the expert, the doctor, so whether the sick person says, I need to eat, or even if they say, I don't need to eat, let's say some doctors say he needs to eat, and some doctors say he doesn't, and the sick person agrees with the view that he does not need to eat. So the Gemara says that we count his opinion like the doctor doctor's opinions, and whichever side has a majority, we follow. So we see that the sick person is believed both to say, I need to eat, as well as to say, I don't need to eat, because he knows himself. He knows whether he needs to eat or not. But the Rambam holds that that whole discussion in the Gemara is only with regards to whether this sick person needs to eat or not. In terms of whether he's in danger, so there, like Rabbeinu Tam said, the sick person is not a prophet. He has no idea whether this is going to endanger his life or not. So the Rambam holds that the whole discussion in the Gemara that we believe the sick person only applies to whether or not he needs to eat. But the sick person has no authority to say, this is going to threaten my life. Even if he says not eating is going to threaten my life, we don't value his opinion whether it's going to endanger his life because in terms of that, we need actual authorities, doctors to weigh in. So the concept that we believe a sick person only applies to whether they need to eat or not, not whether it's going to endanger their life. But now here's the twist. According to the Rambam, we don't care whether fasting is going to endanger their life or not. Because since we know that this person has a life-threatening illness, so anything they need, we do for them. So that's why when the sick person says, I need food, they're allowed to eat on Yom Kippur, not because we believe that fasting is going to threaten their life, but because since we know that this person already has a life-threatening illness, anything they say they need, even if it won't affect the illness, they're allowed to have. So once the ill person says, I need food, that's considered one of the generic needs that they have. And according to the Rambam, we're allowed to give them whatever they need, even if it won't affect their actual illness. So that's how the Rambam read this line in the Gemara, that the ill person says, I need food. We don't believe them that fasting is going to endanger their life. But we don't care whether fasting is going to endanger their life. Because since they already have a life-threatening illness, they're allowed to request whatever they need. And since they said that food is one of their needs, so they're allowed to eat on Yom Kippur. So that's how the Rambam understood that Gemara.
So now, based on this, this answers the original question that Rab Velvel asked. Obviously, we're only going to believe the sick person if we already know that they have a life-threatening illness based on other experts. So once we know that this person is already in the category of a life-threatening illness, then if they ask for food, we're able to believe them because they know what they need. But if we never ascertained that this person has a life-threatening illness to begin with, so such a decision cannot be made based on the person themselves because they have no authority authority to say that fasting is going to threaten their life. The only way to ascertain such a thing is through experts. So if we have someone that we don't know to have a life-threatening illness and they say fasting is going to threaten my life, then we need the experts to weigh in whether that's true or not. And if they say that that's the case, then the person can eat. But once we already know based on experts that this person has a life-threatening illness, so then if the person asks for food, they're allowed to eat on Yom Kippur based on their own request, we don't need any doctors to back up what they're saying because since they already have a life-threatening illness, they're allowed to ask for whatever they need. It doesn't matter whether eating is going to affect their health or directly impact the illness or not. Whatever they need, they're allowed to do. And since they said they need food, so they're believed. So that's why the Rambam limits this whole halacha only to someone that's already known to be a cholashiyeshbo sakana as opposed to someone who we don't know yet that they have a life-threatening illness. Now, Reb Velvel points out that there are those who disagree with the Rambam that Shabbos is hutra in terms of a cholashiyeshbo sakana. So this was all based on the Magid Mishnah who interprets the view of the Rambam that a cholashiyeshbo sakana on Shabbos, we do whatever they need need because it's like a weekday regarding that person. But the Beis Yosef in Arachayim Simen Shin Chav Ches and the Tshuvas Harad Baz Simen Aleph Reish, so they quote another view which disagrees with this and they hold that Shabbos is Dechuya. It's not totally suspended. The rules of Shabbos are still in effect even for someone with a life-threatening illness, but anything they need to alleviate their illness, so anything that's going to directly affect their health we're allowed to violate Shabbos. So this is a more limited understanding of the violation of Shabbos for someone that's ill. It's not totally suspended and we can do whatever they need, but the rules of Shabbos are only suspended for things which are directly going to affect and benefit their health. So now, if we factor this view back into eating on Yom Kippur, so Yom Kippur is the same thing. It's not totally suspended, but the sick person can only eat things which are going to directly benefit and prolong their life. So now, the fact that we believe a sick person to say, I need to eat, it means not only do we believe them that they need the food, which was the view of the Rambam and Rabbeinu Tam, but according to this approach, we believe them that fasting is going to potentially potentially endanger their life. So according to the approach of the Beis Yosef and the Radvaz, we have to say that part of believing the sick person that they need to eat is not only that they need food, but also that the lack of food could potentially endanger their life. 
So factoring this equation, according to the Beis Yosef and the Radvaz, a sick person is believed to say that fasting is going to endanger my life. They do have authority to say what is going to potentially endanger them, like Rashi. Here, Rab Velvel calls this view the Re Bar Shmuel and some of the Gaonim, which is the version that we have in the Hagos Maimani. But this is the view of Rashi that he mentioned earlier. Again, there has to be some sort of typo somewhere. But according to the view of Rashi, the sick person is believed to say fasting will potentially endanger my life and that has to follow according to the view that Shabbos and Yom Kippur are not totally suspended. We don't do whatever the ill person needs, only things that are going to prolong and benefit their health. So now if we continue with this view in the final step of the equation, according to Rashi and the Rebar Shmuel and the Beis Yosef and the Radvaz, this second approach, so the rule that we believe the sick person to say I need to eat should not be limited only to someone who's already known to be a Sakana, but anyone who says if I don't eat it's potentially going to endanger my life would be able to eat even if we don't verify that they're a Sakana through experts because again according to the second perspective we believe the person to say about themselves that fasting could potentially threaten their life so since they have that authority this halacha would not be limited only to a chola who's already known to have a life-threatening illness, as the Rambam understands it, but any person who says fasting will lead to a life-threatening illness would be able to eat, or at least their opinion would be considered like the equivalent of a doctor's opinion. So that is Rab Velvel's analysis of the two major perspectives of this halacha, and how the Yom Kippur issue connects with the Shabbos issue. And then Rab Velvel reinforces this because he says that the Shulchan Arach and Arachayim which is quoting the view of the Ramban in the Torah Sa'adam. So he rules that when it comes to Shabbos, if the sick person says this is a life-threatening illness, so they're believed to say that. And even if they have a wound which is not internal, it's on the surface, so it's generally not life-threatening. So ordinarily, we would not consider this person a chola shiyeshbo sakana, but they say this wound is so bad that it's threatening my life, they're believed to say that. So that is the Shulchan Arach consistent with his opinion in the Beis Yosef, as Rab Velvel just explained it, that a person is believed to say about themselves that something will lead to a life-threatening illness. Now, the Rambam, according to Rab Velvel's analysis, would disagree with this as well, because his consistent view is that a sick person is not believed, has no authority to say this will lead to a life-threatening illness, unless it's already been confirmed that he's a so according to this analysis, the Rambam would disagree with the Ramban's ruling in the case of Shabbos that one is not believed to say this is going to lead to life-threatening illness unless it's already confirmed. But Rab Velvel seems hesitant to take this step, so now he suggests that maybe the Rambam's language is imprecise. He did not mean to say that this person is already a confirmed he just means to say that this person will be in the category of a life-threatening illness if they fast. But it could be that the Rambam shouldn't be taken too literally to be disagreeing with the Ramban and the Shulchan Arach. So now that it turns out that the Ramban says explicitly like the other side, so now Rab Velvel's a little hesitant to say that the Rambam disagrees with him. 
But either way, that is the overall suggestion of this piece, that there are two major approaches. According to the Rambam, and it would also be Rabbeinu Tam, a person is not believed to say whether something is going to threaten their life only what they need. Whereas according to the Beis Yosef and the Radvaz and maybe Rashi and maybe the Ramban, a person is believed to say that something is going to cause them life-threatening illness. So that is the overall piece. Now in the final paragraph, Rab Velvel quotes a very important ruling of his father, Rab Chaim, when it comes to eating on Yom Kippur. So now if someone is ill on Yom Kippur and they have to eat, they eat what's called shiurin, which means measurements. So the rule of Yom Kippur is that that one does not fully violate Yom Kippur and get the punishment of kares unless they eat a koseves, which is a measurement. So if someone eats less than that, it's a violation, but it's not the full violation with the punishment. So if someone is ill on Yom Kippur and they have to eat, the way they do this is they eat a small amount of food every few minutes, so it doesn't add up together, and that way they're able to eat without fully violating Yom Kippur. Reb Chaim held that the only people who eat shiurin are people who are potentially going to become ill. So we said earlier, there's two types of ill people. People who are currently ill and someone who, if they fast, will become dangerously ill. So Rab Chaim held that only the second type, someone who right now is not dangerously ill, but they will become dangerously ill. So they have to do this stringency of not eating a full amount of food, a full meal, only eating small little bits throughout the day. But someone who is already ill, at that point, says Rab Chaim, all the rules of Yom Kippur are totally suspended and they can eat whatever they want and they should eat a full-sized meal and not worry about shiurim at all. So that is the leniency of Rab Chaim that someone who is already dangerously ill on Yom Kippur eats whatever they want and however much they want. Now, according to the Rambam, this obviously makes sense because as Rab Velvel said, once someone is dangerously ill, so whatever they need need we give them, even if it's not going to directly affect their health. So too, whatever food they want, they could eat, and we don't need to evaluate whether they need each morsel of food. But Reb Velvel fits in his father's ruling even into the view of the Shulchan Arach, and the Shulchan Arach holds that we do need to evaluate whether this food is going to help the person or not. They can't just eat whatever they want. So how does Rab Chaim fit into the Shulchan Arach? So he says that when the Shulchan Arach says that we give people shiurin, that they have to eat a small measurement, that's only talking about someone who will become ill through fasting. And that's how the Shulchan Arach introduces this topic. So the Shulchan Arach is only ruling for someone who is not yet dangerously ill, but through fasting, they will become dangerously ill. So there we give them small amounts. But someone who is already dangerous ill, according to Rab Velvel, the Shulchan Aruch was not talking about that at all. Anything which is going to strengthen the ill person and give him a little more strength and energy and be able to fight off the illness, anything, any amount of food is all included in Pikuach Nefesh, which displaces Shabbos and Yom Kippur. So that's the basis of this ruling, even according to the Shulchan Arach, because once someone is that ill, so we don't evaluate how much they need to eat. We give them whatever they want because every little bit will help them to be a little bit stronger and will affect their illness and give them a little more health. 
So that's the ruling of Rab Chaim, and Rab Velvel fits it into the Shulchan Arach, that the Shulchan Arach did not talk about someone who's already ill. Now he brings another proof to his father's view from the words of the Sefer Achinoch in Mitzvah Shin Yud Gimel. The Sefer Achinoch writes, If someone is ill, even though it's not life-threatening, if they're very weak, so then we feed them less than the Shi'urim. So the Sefer Achinuch says something very surprising, that even if there's no danger in this illness, but the person is very weak, they're still allowed to eat on Yom Kippur, but they need to do the Shi'urim and eat less than the measurement. So the Mimchas Chinuch asks, who ever heard of someone not dangerously ill eating on Yom Kippur? The whole leniency only applies if there's going to be a threat to one's life. But if someone is just ill or sick, but it's not threatening their life, there is no leniency whatsoever to eat on Yom Kippur. So what is the Sefer Achinuch talking about? That someone who's weak, but their life is not in danger, is allowed to eat less than the measurement on Yom Kippur. Says Rab Velvel that according to Rab Chaim's ruling, we can end answer the question of the Minchas Chinuch. The Chinuch is not talking about someone who's weak, but is not going to have their life threatened at all. He means this case where right now they're not dangerously ill, but through fasting they will become dangerously ill. So there, says the Sefer Achinuch, that's when we feed them small amounts. But if they're already dangerously ill, then they eat whatever they want, and there are no measurements, there's no small amounts. So that's the distinction that the Sefer Achinoch is making. Both cases are people who will be dangerously ill, but one of them is currently dangerously ill and one of them will only become so if they fast. So in the second case, the Sefer Achinoch says we give them the small measurements. In the first case, where they're already dangerously ill, as Rab Chaim said, they can eat whatever they want, and that answers the question of the Minchas Chinoch, and it's a proof from the Sefer Achinoch to Rab Chaim's ruling. So that is Rab Velvel's piece the analysis of the two major approaches, whether we believe the person that not eating or something else will affect their health and threaten their life or not. And according to Rab Velvel, there's room to say that that's a debate between the Rambam and other Rishonim. And then he ends with this very important ruling of Rab Chaim that a chola sheyeshbo sakana on Yom Kippur can eat whatever they want and they do not eat the small measurements. That only refers to someone who will become a if they fast. Now, Rab Yosef Dov Salavechik, Rab Chaim's oldest grandson, tells an interesting story about this psak in Halachic Man that when his father, Rab Moshe Salavechik, was going into the rabbinate, so Rab Chaim said, I command you to follow my psak regarding a cholish yeshbo sakana eating on Yom Kippur because that is the true halacha. So Rab Chaim felt very strongly about this, and that was at least part of the professional advice that he gave his son when he was entering the rabbinate. And Rab Chaim in general was not very involved in practical halachic rulings. Rabbi Zevin and Isha Meshitos in the chapter on Rab Chaim discusses this. But in this case, he was very involved with this halacha. And he used to explain that even though it looked like he was being very lenient and he had this major leniency in eating on Yom Kippur. So Rab Chaim used to say that he's not lenient in the laws of Yom Kippur. He's strict in the laws of Pikuach Nefesh. So he felt very strongly about pikuach nefesh and making sure that people who were ill would eat and be as healthy as they could be on Yom Kippur. At this
this was part of an overall reflection of Rab Chaim and then his son Rab Velvel's attitude. They were very concerned about Pikuach Nefesh. There was a certain nervousness, a certain anxiety that they both had, and that was very much a part of the culture of Brisk, at least that branch of the family, to be very nervous all the time, both spiritually and physically. And Rabbi Yosef Dov Soloveitchik discusses this also in Halachic Man, Rab Chaim's constant anxiety about death. So there was a strong emphasis on making sure to protect life whenever possible. And there was also a very strong ideology about the importance of life and the importance that the Torah gives to Pikuach Nefesh. In The Making of a Gadol by Reb Nassim Kamenetsky, he has a good amount of information about all this. On page 206, he quotes Rab Chaim's grandson, Rab Aaron Soloveitchik, as saying that Rab Chaim allowed violating Shabbos even if there was a one one millionth chance of saving the life. So even for such a far-fetched pikuach nefesh, Rab Chaim held that Shabbos should be violated. And obviously that's a very extreme position that for any possibility of saving a life, we violate Shabbos. Other views would say that there has to be a more immediate concern or a more real possibility of saving a life. But Rab Chaim had a very broad definition of pikuach nefesh. And he also quotes that Rab Chaim and Rab Velvel also said that when saving a life, one should act even irrationally. So we shouldn't only do things that make sense, but we should try to do anything we possibly can, even if it goes against logic. So this was their overall view. Now on page 1142, he discusses Rab Chaim's leniency about eating on Yom Kippur for a Cholish Yeshbo Sakana, and he quotes a few traditions about this. He quotes an interesting story that one year Rab Baruch Ber, Rab Chaim's close student, was sick, and he went to Warsaw to consult a professor whether he would be able to fast on Yom Kippur. Now, Reb Shimon Shkup also happened to be in that hotel. It seems strange that two of the leading Rosh Yeshiva were in a hotel in Warsaw before Yom Kippur, but that's how the story goes. And Reb Shimon noticed that Rabbi Baruch Ber was upset. So he assumed it was because Rabbi Baruch Ber might have to eat on Yom Kippur. So he said to him, there's no reason to be upset. Eating on Yom Kippur for someone who's sick is as big a mitzvah as fasting. You're doing what Hashem wants, so they're both equal mitzvahs. So Rabbi Baruch Ber said to him, of course I know that. My issue is that I don't know which mitzvah to prepare for, the mitzvah of fasting on Yom Kippur or the mitzvah of eating. So that's a very cute story that reflects the view of Rab Chaim that eating on Yom Kippur for someone who needs to is as great a mitzvah as fasting. Now it's worth pointing out that the Ritva and the Rashban Brachos Memheyamad Aleph quote a view that someone who's ill and has to eat on Yom Kippur should not make a bracha because it's tsa'ar. The eating is painful, it's not pleasurable, so there's no bracha. So that seems to go against Rabbi Baruch Ber's view that someone who's sick and eats on Yom Kippur is as big a mitzvah as fasting. They they seem to be saying that it's bad to have to eat on Yom Kippur. Now, the Mishnah Brura quotes that view in a footnote in the Sharat Zion, but he rules against that, that one does make a bracha. So maybe that's reflective of the view of Rab Chaim and Rab Baruch Ber. Now, in the making of a Gadol, page 1274, he quotes ironically that one time Rab Chaim himself was ill on Tishabav, and Rab Hillel Salanter told him that he has to eat, and Rab Chaim refused to eat until 11 p.m., because Rab Chaim had much stricter times for when nightfall is, so it was much stricter than most of us follow. So Rab Chaim powered through the fast 
even though the local rabbi felt that he should not be fasting. So this is an ironic story. Now he gets into a discussion there whether Rab Chaim was healthy at the end of his life or not. There are some traditions that Rab Chaim was by nature healthy, but because of his learning and because of the way he lived, that he didn't spend a lot of time on his health. So he became a sickly man towards the end of his life. And Rab Chaim did not live that long. He was only 65 when he passed away. But then he quotes that the Soloveitchik family tradition is that Rab Chaim was very healthy and very strong up until the end of his life. And then he quotes a story that supposedly Rab Chaim bent a coin with his fingers or he bent a horseshoe, which sounds very hard to believe. But according to that tradition, Rab Chaim got ill and that's why he passed, but he was not a sickly person. Now, there's an amazing line from Rab Chaim that reflects his overall view of Pikuach Nefesh, that one time a few people had been killed in Brisk and people were very shook about it. And someone said to Rab Chaim, this is the beginning of Mashiach coming. So Rab Chaim responded to him, Pikuach Nefesh overrides the entire Torah, including bringing Mashiach, meaning preserving a life would override even the ability to bring Mashiach. So that's an amazing line. So all of this is reflective of the Psak that Rab Velvel quotes from his father, Rab Chaim, that a very ill person can eat whatever they want on Yom Kippur, which reflects a tremendous regard for life and pikuach nefesh. Now, there is a technical issue with this psak because it's unclear what exactly the basis for it is. As Rab Velvel said, there is a debate between the Magid Mishnah and others whether Shabbos is hutra, it's totally suspended when it comes to an ill person, or it's dechuya, it's not totally suspended, but we do what the ill person needs for their health. So Rab Chaim's ruling that an ill person can eat whatever they need on Yom Kippur seems to reflect the Magid Mishnah's view that for an ill person, we do whatever they need on Shabbos. And there are many who assume that the basis for Rab Chaim's ruling is this view of the Magid Mishnah. In fact, in Rabbi Zevin's chapter in Ishim Veshitos on Rab Chaim, he quotes that he personally discussed this issue with Rab Velvel, and he explains the basis for Rab Chaim's leniency is that it's based on the view of the Magid Mishnah that Shabbos is Hutra with regards to an ill person. So it seems that certainly at one time, this leniency of Rab Chaim was connected to the view of the Magid Mishnah that Shabbos is Hutra. Now there is an issue with that. Rav Ovadi Yosef in the Chuvis Yechaved Das, Chelek Vav Simen Lametes, points out that the Magid Mishnah himself is of the view that a Cholashiyeshbo Sakana eats Shiurim on Yom Kippur. So the Magid Mishnah, who's so lenient when it comes to Shabbos, himself says that on Yom Kippur the rules are different, and even someone with a life-threatening illness has to eat small measurements, they can't eat a full meal. So the Magid Mishnah seems to be contradicting himself, according to Rab Chaim, that Shabbos and Yom Kippur are equivalents. Now, this issue, whether Shabbos and Yom Kippur are equivalent, is really the heart of the issue. So there are achronim who differentiate between Shabbos and Yom Kippur. So even if Shabbos is hutra, it's totally suspended, Yom Kippur is only dechuya. The Avnei Nezer and his chuvis and Arachayim, Simintafnun Gimel, Simintafnun Dalit, and Simintafnun Hey. So someone named Reb Zev Nachum writes to him this question, that if Shabbos is hutra, why does the ill person on Yom Kippur have to eat small amounts why don't we allow them to eat whatever they want? So the same issue that 
Reb Velvel is raising was raised to the Avnei Nezer. And he differentiates that even if Shabbos is Hutra, that's not going to apply to Yom Kippur. And he doesn't have a great reason, but he suggests that maybe because on Yom Kippur, the person who's ill is the person who's eating. So there's a mitzvah in eating small measurements and that mitzvah will protect them. As opposed to on Shabbos, the person violating Shabbos is not the person who's ill. So the person violating Shabbos, keeping some parts of Shabbos is not going to protect the ill person. So that's why they should violate whatever they need to do. So that's his suggestion to explain why an ill person eats small amounts on Yom Kippur. And you can see easily why Rab Chaim might not have gone down that route because our job is to figure out what the ill person needs and not to factor in the protection of mitzvahs. That's the whole idea of pikuach nefesh. But either way, Davne Nezer differentiates between Shabbos and Yom Kippur and his student, the Chalkas Yoav, in his Chuvas and Arachayim Simon Yudalid also reiterates this and Rabbi Elchanan Wasserman also in the Kovetz Ha'aros on Yevamos Simon Yudches also reiterates this idea. So these achronim hold that even if Shabbos is Hutra, but Yom Kippur is Dechuya, and that makes sense of the Magid Mishnah that differentiates that on Shabbos you can do whatever the ill person needs, whereas on Yom Kippur they have to eat small measurements. Now, Rab Chaim seems to disagree with this view, and Rab Velvel certainly disagrees because he explicitly says that Shabbos and Yom Kippur are equivalent in this regard. So if Shabbos is Hutra, then so is Yom Kippur. Now, in Rabbi Zevin's version of Rab Velvel's explanation for Rab Chaim's Psak, so it sounds like Rab Velvel gets this whole idea that Shabbos and Yom Kippur are equivalent unlike the Avnei Nezer and Rabbi Elchanan from the fact that his father, Rab Chaim, ruled that a sick person could eat whatever they need on Yom Kippur. So that's the basis for where he gets this view. Now, it seems to me that in Chidush Emeron Riz HaLevi, he presents all of this a little differently. So there, Rab Velvel leaves his father's psak out of the initial discussion, and he seems to just assume on his own that Shabbos and Yom Kippur are the same. And then at the end of the piece, he quotes Rab Chaim, Psak, but he seems to make it independent of the Magid Mishnah's view. So in Chidushim Aron Riz Halevi, he seems to present it that Rab Chaim's leniency could apply whether you follow the Magid Mishnah or even those who disagree. So again, there seems to be a subtle difference in the presentation of Rab Chaim's Psak between some of the earlier versions and the way it appears in this Sefer. And it's possible, obviously, that Rab Chaim's Psak is the inspiration for this piece, but there does seem Seem to be some sort of effort to differentiate Rab Chaim's leniency from the view of the Magid Mishnah so that Rab Chaim can fit into all views. So that's some of the issue that surrounds this piece, whether we can really compare Yom Kippur to Shabbos or not. And as we saw, there are many achronim who hold that Yom Kippur is different than Shabbos, unlike Rab Velvel's assumption. Now, in terms of the practical halacha, so this whole issue of whether a sick person has to eat small measurements on Yom Kippur is a big machlokas rishonim. The rush in the eighth chapter of Yuma, Simen Yudalit, and the Ran in the second chapter of Beitzah quote the view of the Maram and the Raivid who hold that a sick person can eat whatever they want on Yom Kippur. But the Ramban and the Rush and the Ran and the Magid Mishnah and the Shulchan Arach and Hilchus Yom Kippur, Tafresh Yudches, Sif Zayin, they all rule that a sick person should eat small measurements. Now, Rab Chaim is suggesting that even according to this stringent view, it only applies 
applies to someone who might get a life-threatening illness if they fast, not someone who already has a life-threatening illness. Now, Dar Sameach also has a fairly lenient view of these halachas, or a strict view of pikuach nefesh, as Rab Chaim would say. On this halacha in Hilchos Shvisas Aser, Perek Bez Halacha Ches, he raises the issue of whether there's a difference between Shabbos and Yom Kippur, and Shabbos is stricter than Yom Kippur. And then he says that in general, anyone that's lenient about pikuach nefesh is doing the right thing, because the whole stringency of eating shiurim is not agreed upon, so he takes a lenient action. Attitude overall. Now he repeats this in Hilchos Macholos Asuros Perik Yudalid Halacha Yudalid that there's room to say that a sick person can eat whatever they want on Yom Kippur, and then he adds that maybe all these halachas only really apply to the people helping the sick person to eat, but the sick person themselves can eat whatever they want. So he also shares Rab Chaim's broad, very lenient attitude towards dangerously ill people eating on Yom Kippur, and it's also worth mentioning that the Nitzi in the Hamek Sheila, Simon Kuf Samach Zayin, Os Yud Zayin, quotes from Rab Chaim's great-great-grandfather, his grandfather-in-law, Rab Chaim Valozhener, that he heard from the base David that Rab Chaim Valozhener disagreed with the view of the Magen Avram. The Magen Avram holds that a woman who just gave birth within three days after giving birth should eat shiurim, the small measurements, and Rab Chaim Valozhener disagreed. He said she can eat whatever she wants. So this also reflects a certain attitude of feeding people what they need on Yom Kippur. Now, the basic attitude of the contemporary poskim seems to be, and this is the view in the Tzitz Eliezer, Chelek Vav, Simen Yud Beis, and Simen Yud Gimel, as well as Rav Ovad Yosef in the Tshuvas Yechaved Das, Chelek Vav, Simen Lametes, as well as Rav Moshe Sternbach in the Tshuvas Van Hages, Chelek Aleph, Simen Shin Mem Tes, and the Moadim Muzmanim, Chelek Aleph, Simen Samach. So some of the very prominent contemporary poskim, they don't think that we can follow Rab Chaim literally, because again, if it's based on the Magid Mishnah, so there are many who disagree with the Magid Mishnah when it comes to Shabbos, that it's not Hutra, so that would undermine the whole basis for Rab Chaim's leniency. And also the simple reading of the Shulchan Arach and the laws of Yom Kippur is that all dangerously ill patients should try to eat a small amount, the Shi'urim, and not eat a full meal. So the simple reading of the Shulchan Arach goes against Rab Chaim, even though Rab Velvel does try to fit Rab Chaim's psak into the Shulchan Arach. So the basic view of the poskim is that we can't take Rab Chaim literally, but that said, they do take the spirit of Rab Chaim, that anyone who's very ill, who feels that the food might help them in any way, should be able to eat whatever they want. So that's the basic conclusion of Rab Chaim, even if it's formulated a little differently. And Rab Moshe Sternbach seems to point out that there is a formulation of Rab Chaim, which is not based on the Magid Mishnah, which is very similar to what we pointed out earlier in the formulation in Chidushim Aron Riz HaLevi. So either way, the spirit of Rab Chaim's Psak is very much accepted that anyone who's very ill, if in any way the food would help them feel a little better, or it might in any way improve their health so they can eat whatever they want. So the basic view of Rab Chaim is the practical halacha, even though on a more theoretical level, Rab Chaim's view is not generally accepted, and we follow the simple reading of the Shulchan Arach.